Good morning. Um, as I got out of the car this morning, I had like Ollie filled the car up full of lots of stuff. And I think Amy's eyes lit up as I opened the boot and had this box and I had all this stuff. She was like, wow, you got all these objects this morning. I was like, I really tried. I really tried. But peace is a really hard thing to have lots of object lessons and fun. Um, so that was all for kids work. So that's all going on next door. I have just me, I'm afraid. So no objects, no kinesthetic learning this morning, I'm afraid. Just me and luckily God's word. <laughs> so um, I'm doing part two this morning on peace. Last week, Belinda came over and she talked about how Jesus led a life of just an example of being a peacemaker. How he came in and was the peace in situation after situation after situation. And when we look at this, when we read stories of Jesus, I think, wow, I want to be like that. And uh, I've got the tricky part, really, of saying, right, well, we've looked at Jesus. We've seen the, how he lived. How do we now do that? What's the application? How do I get peace? How do I get peace and how do I go out there and be a peacemaker? And with things like, as Jez was praying earlier about Manchester, you think, I don't know. <laughs> you get to a place where you think there's such horrible things going on in the world. How do I, just little old me in Eastbourne or Seaford, how do I make a difference? How am I someone who's going to transform this broken world of this kingdom not yet here that Jesus is offering? And hopefully today we're going to start looking at a few little points that I've been reading about and feeling stirred about that just start to shape us and realize how we need to fight for this peace that God offers us. And also, once we get this peace, what we need to do with it. So Ollie said to me as I was preparing, he said, so what does peace mean? And I was like, well, you know, it's peace. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know. And I went back and I read stuff and I said, well, it could be this or uh, it could be this. And it's such a hard word. Like some people might visualize peace as, you know, on uh, when some beauty pageant and they're like, yeah, I really want world peace. And, you know, you think, oh, lovely, that's really nice. Or like some hippie coming along, peace, man. And you think, you know the word, but what does it mean? What are we really asking for? What is world peace? What is peace in our hearts and our lives look like? And Belinda shared a story last week about Jesus and he was in the boat in the storm and all the disciples are terrified. There's like wind gushing, horrific rain, the boat's rocking. They were terrified. They're full of fear, yet Jesus slept. And a part of me thinks, come on, Jesus, wake up and sort this out. You know, like, well, how can you sleep? But that, that is a sense of peace. When turmoil and madness, people have, go into horrific situations, horrible news, when we can sleep, when we have that peace because we know where the, where the love of God is who Jesus is, why we're here, that Jesus is so in control. As, Je as um, Jez said earlier in the prayer, like he has surpassed everything. He is in control. He is over all. When we get that, then we can sleep. doesn't mean the situation is going to change, but it does mean that we can trust God, that it's not all about us and our fixing the problem, but we can say, I don't know, but I'm going to trust you, God, because you're so much bigger than me. And I'm going to read uh, Philippians 4, so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to have a look through verses 2 to 9, and I've broken it into four parts today that we're going to look through, so we're just going to read it all together to start off with. So verse 2, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sinch to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow help 
these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the Lord of peace will be with you. Just going to carry on reading up to verse 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learnt to be content, whatever the circumstances. For I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So my first point today, we're going to kind of go through it quite in order, but we're going to skip to verse four, first of all, and then come back to the verse two in a bit. So verse four to seven, my first point today is it's not about worry. Is about praying and thanking Jesus. In Acts 10, verse 36, it talks about the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And we really, first of all, before we start trying to fix everything, no, it isn't through our strength. It is not through our efforts. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can gain peace. People try so hard to fix things. I'm much of a tickless person and need to fix the world. And then I have a bad week and flake out and can't do anything because I realize I'm not God. I know it's hard to believe, but I really am not. And, um, but actually, when the weeks where everything around me is in turmoil and then I cling to God, that's when I find peace. That's when I know that true peace inside my soul that I say it is well with my soul. John 14, verse 27 Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not be afraid or troubled. When you read this, you realize peace isn't created. We haven't got to make it. Try and bake the best peace that we can have in our house. It's shared with Jesus. Jesus has given it. It's his peace that he wants to give to us. And when you start reading, John, you realize this is all just before he gets crucified, persecuted, and then dies. So part of you might think, well, really, Jesus, what peace are you offering? Not sure if I want that type of peace. But Jesus would say to you, it's perfect peace. Jesus says, I will open the door for you, my followers, to enter my peace with the Father. I will satisfy, satisfy the sins of the world gain you forgiveness and provide you with a right standing before my father. I will give you the very peace that I enjoy with my father. What peace is on offer this morning? It's perfect peace. It's Jesus's peace that he's already wanting to give to you, wanting you to share in today. And hours before Jesus was crucified, as Belinda spoke about last week, one of his big concerns was that we understood what peace was. 
he could have just given up and thought, you know what, this day I'm going to rule it out. It's going to be a bad day for me. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm just going to lock myself away. But he didn't. He wanted to make sure people really understood that peace is on offer. Peace is something that he really wanted to give and share before he died that time. John Piper says when he was reading about peace, joy, and faith, that what Jesus has to offer is not feeble. Sometimes you think, oh, isn't he a nice guy? Like, oh, hey, but actually it's volcanic. It's going to erupt. If we really understand joy and peace and love what Jesus has to offer, it's like a volcano. It's just going to erupt in us and spread out into the world. It's going to cause a new sort of sense of world order. So many people today have fear. They're worried, they're anxious. Jenny shared a story how God broke her free of just worrying about where she was going to move. We, we get anxious and worried and fearful about everything because the world gives us fear. If we're not perfect, if we're not successful, if we're not doing this, if we don't look this way, then we can panic. We think, oh no, I'm not doing this right. Peace can transform that fear. Peace is the only way that we don't need to fear no more. Jesus has a view of your heart. He wants us to be free. He wants, he wants us, he's come to give us life and life to the full. He wants to come and break anxiety and fears. He wants to give us free life. It says here in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. And as I was preparing my talk, I felt a bit like, it's a bit, a bit, a bit I don't know, a bit full on saying that. Because I know so many people and so many people in my family who struggle with anxiety and struggle with that real darkness where they just can't get free from it. So for me saying to me, oh, don't worry, you know, Jesus is there, sometimes just feels a bit of a blasé thing and you kind of get, can get really frustrated with it. But the Bible is the truth, it's the word of God, and it's here for a reason. And when he says, do not be fearful, do not be anxious about anything, Jesus doesn't just leave it as that. It then goes on to say, this is, this is how by thanking, by praying. I don't know about you, whenever I've had a really low day or a, a day when I've just, everything has gone wrong and you're like, oh, like this. I want to pray to myself, really. I get down. I love my little pity party I'm having. Everything's so rubbish and oh. And I, I kind of almost am praying to myself. I'm like, dear Wendy, I'm so rubbish. Oh. And like, we all do it. It's so, when we get to those places, it's so easy just to almost pray to ourselves. But the Bible says, don't pray to yourself. That's not going to fix it. If we want this peace today, we need to fix our eyes and turn to God. We need to start praying to Jesus. We need to start thanking him for things that haven't even happened yet. That healing hasn't even happened, but we're going to pray in faith and thank God for it. We're going to pray for that job I haven't got yet. I'm going to have faith that that job's going to come up. And when you start lifting your eyes to God and start thanking him, start thanking him for everything he's already done, thanking him for dying on the cross, for rescuing us, for giving us eternal life, for, for choosing us, for loving us. Suddenly, we come out of our little pity party and we just think, okay, I haven't got a clue what to do about this situation, but I have got a mighty God that I'm thankful for. So the first point today is do not worry. It's about pray, praying and thanking Jesus. Point two comes from verse eight to nine. And we look at verse 8, and it gives us a list, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, 
think about these things. The Bible tells us to think. And in a world where no one tells us to think, you go to therapies, you go to help groups, you go to yoga, you go to all these things, and they're like, don't think. You've had a busy day. Take it out your mind. Put it in a box. Move it over there. Don't think. Thinking's stressful. And, and we do that. We think, okay, can't think. Okay, just think about nothing. Actually, that doesn't fix things. The Bible says think. And the Greek word, which I couldn't pronounce, so it's just a Greek word. The Greek word in here <laughs> means to pound, to chew, to, to gnaw, to delve in. Not just a, oh yeah, thanks, God, I'll think about you. I'm going to like read this truth. I'm going to believe this truth. I'm going to think about everything that's worth praising God. I'm going to think about everything that's noble. I'm going to really get myself into it. And then um, th- this week, um, the youth over at Hampton Park had like a, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here evening, apparently. Had loads and loads of maggots. And I'm not entirely sure what they'd done with maggots, but it wasn't nice. But anyway... And they didn't get through them all. And Ollie came home with this big sack of wiggly, millworm, maggoty things. And um, he said, I think the chickens are going to like these. Now, if anyone's got chickens, you will know that they don't just love millworms. They absolutely love them. And so Ollie's there, this giant bag, tipping it in like this, like over a thousand, (laughs) just tons. And these chickens were on top of each other, kicking each other, punching each other, pecking each other. They wanted to have those mealworms. They were so desperate. They were pounding each other. They were chewing them. And I thought, this is what we should be like. We shouldn't just put our Bibles, get a bit of dust every now and then, get the duster out. We should be pounding this truth. We should be so desperate knowing that the only way to inner peace, this core peace in our soul, is to pound this Bible, is to chew it, is to fight it, is to demand that we know everything God's got on offer in the truth. Because when we think about these things, suddenly our fear, our anxiety, all those things change. When we start thinking about the big questions life, why am I here? Who is Jesus? Why did he die? When we start reading these truths, suddenly we're like, man, I can't even be bothered to be sad about this thing anymore because I've got this mighty God that I'm living for and I need to stop moaning about little things and start getting excited about who we are and what's going on. We're made for fellowship with God. If you're a Christian today and you're not thinking, you need to switch that brain on. And today there's no excuses. I'm not great with media, but we don't even just have to get our old Bibles with you know paper out there are endless podcasts there are endless things on youtube there are amazing things at the tip of our hands i gave an excuse a while ago going oh i feel i haven't read the bible for ages i'm just so tired when am i going to find time and my friend showed me an app where i could just listen to the bible so i, I press play and when i'm going to bed i just listen to it there's no excuse we should be people like my chickens who are jumping over each other, desperate for the word of God. Because without it, we're getting truth, which isn't truth, pounding us from all other venues on TV and media and everything else. And it's not building us up. It's causing fear and worry to hit us. And the Bible says we need to think. Point number three from verse 11 to 13. It's not about our circumstances. It is all about Jesus. And... Um, I'm just going to flip to Romans 8. I'm sure you've all heard Romans 8, verse 35. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then it ends with saying, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now this verse is a great one, isn't it? When you think, oh, I need to share something on the mic. Romans 8. And everyone's like, yes, nothing can separate us. Brilliant. But I've listened to this the other week when someone shared it. And it scared the life out of me because, yes, nothing can separate us from the life of God. But there's a big list here of what we could expect. Not as just Christians, non-Christians, just life. And suddenly I think, oh, I don't want any of that. <laughs> I don't want trials and persecution, distress, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. No, no, I don't want that life. No, thank you. I, I, I became a Christian because I wanted this like lovely life, this life of blessing. I didn't sign up to get persecuted and for people to be mean and, and hardship. I was like, oh, no, I don't like this. But as Christians, we often believe, don't we, that nothing should go wrong for us. We're the holy ones. We can walk around like this and nothing will affect us. And then suddenly someone gets cancer or suddenly someone dies or some, suddenly something horrific happens or a breakup happens and we're all like, oh, but they're Christians. How can this happen? Oh, like, and we're in shock. And that can really shake us up. That can really bring in fear, anger, sometimes anger so much that we decide to just give up on God and walk away. But nowhere in the Bible or in the history, if you look at history books, does it say anywhere that when you become a Christian, everything's going to be rosy and happy and lovely? It doesn't. It, tell, it warns us. It says, even more so, when you choose Jesus, things are going to come and attack you. You are going to be under it. It's going to be hitting you. It's going to be hard. Life is going to be tough. And I think we need to realize that. Sometimes, and I'm totally hands up here, I think I'm a Christian. Everything should go rosy. Everything should be absolutely lovely. And then trouble hits, and I am shook up, and I'm like, what is going on? I don't know what to do. And I think there's a saying out there about, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. And we kind of get that and think, oh, yes, that's, really, that's not that bad, because God's going to make it right, and it will be fine. But some stuff is really bad. When one of my really good friends got cancer, and, and it was horrific, and it looked like she was going to die, I really struggled with that all thing worked together for, for those who love the Lord. I was like, where's God in this? What is going on? And then you think, oh, all clouds have a silver lining. Something good will come out. And, and, and it's amazing. She got, you know, she's here today. She got set, like, sorted out. Everything's great. But you look back and you think that was a horrible time. For their family, it was horrible. And was there any good? I can't see any good of it at the moment. And I think sometimes we almost think, well, if something bad happens... God's going to work it through. So maybe tomorrow money might fall out the sky or tomorrow God gives me a new house. And we kind of almost think if something bad happens, God's got to give us good. And we need to realize that bad things happen. We're in a world that is now but not yet. The kingdom is not yet. There is bad stuff in this world. And we need to get that. And God does promise that he will work things for good for his whole totality. When we're going up the escalators to heaven, we'll look back and marvel at God's glory, and see the bigger picture. It might not be tomorrow, or the day after, or the day after. There's no time scale. And we need to get that, because when we get into these circumstances, we need to cling to Jesus. We can't go, oh, I wasn't ready for that. We need to be ready. We're in a kingdom now, but not yet. 
as Andrew said at the beginning of this topic. We need to be ready. We need to fight for peace. We need to know that bad situations are going to happen, and we need to fight for this peace in those times. We need to be ready so that when a fear, when anxiety comes, and we start panicking and thinking, I wasn't ready for this, we need to flip it and praise God. We need to be thanking. We need to be thinking. We need to be on this so that we have that peace of God. And I don't know about you, but I was going to share a story, but there's story after story after story that people have shared with me while I've been preparing of just people who have gone through really hard times, yet the peace of God was with them. And they don't know why it went wrong, what happened, why it happened, but they knew God was good and they clung to that peace. And isn't that a witness? Isn't that what we all want to do? I think that's such a witness when everything's breaking around you, yet you cling to God and say, I've got this peace of God. I know who my maker is. I know God is going to give me perfect peace. And the last point, we're going to go back up to verses two to three. It's not just for you, it's for others too. Now, I have read Philippians 4 quite a lot, and I've missed this bit originally. And when I started wondering what was going on, I realized there was some conflict. There's two ladies, and in the message translation, it talks about Paul saying, you need to iron out your differences. You need to make it up. There's some sort of conflict going on. And then he asked the other person, hey, can you help them work it out? Can you fix this? And it's like you just read story after story and looking at Jesus last week with Linda talking, there's story after story where, where Jesus is saying, come on, we need to be peacemakers. And Matthew 5 verse 9, it talks about Jesus saying we need to be peacemakers. We need to be the peacemaker in our words. Are we pulling people down? Are we making people feel rubbish? Or are we being people who are bringing resolution and peace in environments our deeds our intentions are we embodying people are we being people who are fostering peace of Christ in all situations last week we looked at Jesus he brought reconciliation he brought restoration in relationships he was inclusive compassionate he cared for others and we're called to be the same and this is such a big challenge even preparing this preach just at work, at neighborhood relationships, just life relationships. It's so easy just to get caught up and going along with the negativity or the things that are going wrong rather than trying to deliberately be the peacemaker in the situation. But we are told to go out there and love our enemies, pray for people who persecute you, not to hold grudges, not to avoid people. We need to be bridge builders. We need to be people who are going out saying, I find that person really hard, but I'm going to choose to be a bridge builder. I'm going to work through that and make sure there's peace there. Jesus walked with people that people didn't like. He walked with widows who were looked at as not people to go near prostitutes. He walked across the road and wanted to walk with these people. How often do we just, I don't know, think, oh, that's too much. I don't know what to do with that person. That person annoys me. And just not wanting to be the peace in that situation. But we can be God's grace in all situations. We can be inclusive. Belinda told me there was someone here in this congregation who always saves a seat so that if someone comes in and doesn't know anyone, they can always feel included in part of the congregation. It's a little thing, but it's such an amazing blessing. We can be the peace where there's conflict. 
Jesus stepped in and brought peace of mind. There are so many people today with mental health issues in confused states. And Jesus walked across streets, across water to help those people. And that's hard. I know lots of people who are struggling with mental health. And it isn't a quick fix. It isn't a, here, bye, all good. It's a long-term working it through, walking it through, loving that person, bringing the peace, bringing the truth. And that's tiring sometimes. But God has called us to be these peacemakers and to go out there and to try and deal with that. Reconciliation, there's so many marriages and families that are break up. And you're almost like the wrong person if you try and share God's way of doing it and the love way of doing it and the peace way of doing it. And it's hard to work through it. One of my friend's neighbors, they were going to get a divorce. And everyone was like, yeah, it's not going to work, not going to work. She chose to come in and said, but what if it does? We've got this marriage course. Do you want to come? Let us work this through. Can you see if your marriage is savable? And they've started doing that, which is fantastic. Can we be the peace in all these type of situations? So just to finish, um, peace is on offer for us all today. It's not something we've got to work at. We've got to fight for because we're in a kingdom now, not yet. But it's not something we've got to work at. The thing we've got to work at is making sure we fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the giver, the sharer of peace. He wants to give you his peace this morning. And he's the only way of getting peace. Belinda talked about her dog insurance last week and people putting their safety in all these other things. Nothing can give you the perfect peace like Jesus. And the world, you look at people and you think, well, they don't know Jesus and they're all peaceful. And they are until something breaks, until their job goes or their relationship breaks or something around them falls. Then you notice they haven't got that peace. As Christians, we're people who need the peace all the time. And once we've got that peace, then the challenge is to be the peacemaker that Jesus challenges us to be. We need to share the good news about peace. It's the only way people can get set free. Can only way that people's mental minds can be freed and just focus on the right thing. And just to finish with, my friend at work, he goes to another church. He's going, he went to London this weekend um, for his anniversary with his family. And in the staff room, I work in a school, um, lots of people are going to him, oh, that's really bad. You can't take your kids to London. Like, what if there's a bomb? What if this is going to happen? Like, are you not scared? Are you not fearful for your family? Like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be anywhere near a capital. And he just said, I'm not going to allow fear to dictate my life. I know where I'm heading. I know who my hope's in. And I'm going to have a nice weekend. And I texted him just to check he was all right. And he had a nice time, so it's fine. <laughs> I can share the story. But I want that. When he said that in the staff room, I thought, oh, that's good. I want that peace. I want that peace. I know where I'm going. I know I've got God's in control and I'm in his hands. I don't need to fear or be anxious about anything. Instead, I can thank God for this peace that transcends all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus today... Like you're in the best place to know Jesus. <laughs> you are surrounded by lots of people who love Jesus. And Jesus is the best life ever. Not because your circumstances are going to change, but because he brings peace, he brings joy, he brings hope in all situations. He's already made the way. He's died for everything that we've made wrong. And to know Jesus, all we need to do is say, I submit my life to you. You are the Lord and Savior of my life. 
And I'm sure if, if you're here today and you want that, someone will happily pray and talk that through with you. But I'd love now, like, if the band can come up. And then um, I'd just really like, like people mentioned about Holy Spirit earlier. Love the Holy Spirit. I just think it'd be such a good time to just allow the Holy Spirit to work in us now and just soak up this peace. It might be even as they sing whatever song they're singing, they're not just words today, but they're words of truth. That we're going to ignore it. We're all going to come up here and destroy that song. We're going to make sure all those words get sunk into us and that we understand. And if you're going through tough situations, not to just be really blasé, it's okay. Life sucks sometimes. There are really hard stuff going on, and that's okay. But not to dwell on that, that that is the thing that conquers you and destroys you and makes you feel fearful, but to fix your eyes on Jesus, to know that he is the giver of the peace.